Mac family, we um, uh, maybe some of you all, and I know that we have different family backgrounds and experiences, but maybe some of you guys have a family member in your family that's been that, that encouragement to you from day one. Uh, that's, I have an uncle, and my uncle Paul, as far back as I can remember, he wasn't my mom or dad, but he was that like champion that said, you can get him, had my back, supported my mom and dad, and was just a, that, another presence that really wanted to root for me as far back as I can remember. Uh, today, the brother that's going to be preaching for us is Terry Robinson. And Terry Robinson has been that uncle to Mac Ave uh, since day one. He and his amazing wife, Sister Robinson, uh, they have been a support to us uh, from the day which we, we came forward and cast this vision about what we wanted to be about. Uh, they've been a champion rooting from us, for us uh, from day one. And so he's going to be preaching and bringing the word today. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like you getting your family back with you again. You know, uh, for some of you guys, you may not have heard him in some time, uh, but, but, but consider him family. So come forward, my brother, as I want to pray for you first. Then after I pray for Brother Terry, uh, Sister Edith is going to come forward and she's going to read the scripture. So we invite going to invite you to stand when she comes forward so we can read the scripture together. And then after she reads, his voice will be the next voice you hear uh, preaching today. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful. Thankful for the ministry that Brother Terry and Sister Robinson have been able to allow go forth in our city. He's been bridging a gap between uh, suburban and urban ministry. He's been allowing those that are college students and may have never experienced an inner city before in their lives to come have a healthy perspective, a God-centered perspective, and experience your grace in the midst of our city. But Lord, you've been a blessing to them by providing them with your love and care over their marriage and the way you've cared for and watched over their children and now grandchildren. So, Lord, we pray and ask that you would allow your power to be uh, upon him as he comes to encourage us uh, in your word. Thankful for this relationship. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, Sister Edith, come on forward. If everybody could stand. Today's reading comes from Exodus chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 28. The Lord said to Moses, yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. After her, afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt, 
and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out, and he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened, unleavened bread and bitter herbs shall they, herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it. Its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall not, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt. Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast. 
statute. I'm sorry. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leavened bread, leaven out of your houses. For if, if anyone eats what is leavened from the day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on these days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the 14th day of the month at evening, you should eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is sojourner, Sojourn or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling place, places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hassop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorsteps, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt. When he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses and the people bowed their heads and worship. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. This is the Lord's word. Amen. Yeah. Want to thank his sister Edith, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the longest text I have ever had read, okay, before I got up to speak. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I'm just trying to be obedient to what was assigned to me. <laughs> but, hey, let me just say, first of all, hey, good morning and what's up, Macav? <laughs> it's so good to uh, be back. You know, they, uh, Eric and Leon, they allowed me to come back every leap year, okay? So that's once every four years. Um, and so this is the leap year, so I get a chance to come and uh, share the Word of God with you. And uh, in previous times, I think, uh, it hasn't always been true the other two times, but I knew I have my, uh, he introduced my African queen, Janice, she's with me. So uh, stand up, sweetheart, again, let her, let her notice you. Uh, 
We've been blessed to be married for 36 years. Amen. Uh, and uh, the Lord has allowed us to raise uh, three children. All went through college and, and are doing quite well right now. And we also have three grandchildren um, as well. So it's been blessed. Matter of fact, we just a few weeks ago, we just came off of a, a cruise to the Caribbean. Uh, it was entitled Love Like You Mean It. Um, <laughs> And uh, yes, indeed, that was a lot of loving on that cruise that, that, that week, yes. Yeah, so, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so you know, I want to just congratulate all of you for um, being able that you set your clocks forward and uh, you made it here, okay? That's a blessing, isn't it? I'm, I know because it's always amazing, you know, now I'm, I come from a Baptist background, you can probably tell that. This is about as dressed down as I can get on Sunday morning, all right? <laughs> But uh, usually always there's some folk, you know, who forget, you know, they come in sheepishly late, you know, oh, I forget. But, you know, I congratulate that uh, you did it and you did well. So this morning, indeed, I mean, what a tremendous passage, though, that I think about able to uh, preach and to speak forth this uh, today as we get ready to prepare for the crucifixion and the resurrection able to look back uh, on this past, the roots of it, found here in, in the book of Exodus, which, as you know, is a theme of redemption, of deliverance, uh, of God setting his people free. Uh, and so I've, um, I, had to, I had to find some type of a tag for this huge text uh, that was assigned to me. And so uh, we're going to just basically, uh, those of you who like to take notes, uh, there, we call in this uh, title a present truth from a past time. A present truth from a past time. And even though I appreciate um, Brother Leon, you know, uh, Pastor Leon sharing uh, with us and praying for me, but. It's like, I got to pray myself right now. So if you could, just take a moment, just bow your heads with me. Father, thank you again uh, for this great opportunity to share among uh, this beloved community called Mac Avenue. Thank you, Lord, indeed, for how uh, uh, they have really demonstrated and lived out what it means, indeed, to walk by faith, not by sight. And how you've brought, indeed, as you have chosen, those, indeed, who've come to reside here, to relocate, and those who are already here, indeed, to become a part of this new community. And so now, God, would you bless us, indeed, to understand, open up our eyes, that we might behold the wonderful things out of your word, and by the uh, power of the Holy Spirit, give us the will to obey it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The day was January the 10th, 2003, when a young man named Terry Dreyer was in the water 20 hours after his boat had capsized. Uh, he gave a valiant effort at survival, been able to tread water for almost 20 hours. And, and, and as he later confessed, he felt certain, though, that he was going to die uh, during that time. But after a long while, if you know the story, a helicopter located him 
and sent word to a ship that was on its way to the Persian Gulf, indeed, uh, for war. And interesting, the name of the ship was called the USS Comforter. Uh, as I say, this vessel was on its way to do battle, and it paused to deliver one man. They went out of their way to save one man. And there was a doctor on board the ship who nursed him back to health. As I think about that story, you know, many people today, probably I'm sure right even here in Mack Avenue Community Church, are treading water because of some of the difficulties and struggles and challenges you're going through. Matter of fact, all of us, you know, there's only three kinds of people in the world today. Uh, those who are about to get into some trouble, those who are in trouble, and those who just come out of trouble. Uh, we're all there, indeed. And so, uh, you know, in our city today, you know, people are tired and they feel like sometimes all is lost, especially here in our city. Having gone through so many challenges, indeed, you know, with the recession uh, that happened back in 2008, I remember uh, one of the former mayors, <coughs> Detroit, Coleman Young, said that, you know, when the country catches a cold, Detroit gets pneumonia. Um, I don't have to tell you, indeed, because you live here, you know, the challenges that we live in day in and day out with unemployment, of course, and with uh, the challenges of crime and our educational system. And so it, it, it's almost like, indeed, people are in need of deliverance. But I've come by to tell you that all we need to do is to look up and see the helicopter called the Lord Jesus Christ. He is here, indeed, to bring about deliverance for all those, indeed, who are willing to receive it. And so it is... Um, Maybe, I think I left my water back there, Leon, if someone could just right, right, uh, right behind me and get it from me. And so what I want to do, indeed, this morning is really kind of to remind us again that, indeed, that we're not in this battle alone. That uh, the same God, indeed, who performed this great miracle of the last plague and who instituted a new um, ritual uh, for the nation of Israel is the same God who's still about putting off the old and bringing in something brand new, who is still bringing about deliverance. That God is able. You know, we talk about God is able all the time. Able to do what? Able to do what? Well, I love the way you ask questions. (laughs) We're going to look at that here in just a moment. And so... In our text this, uh, this morning, beginning in um, Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. Okay, thank you. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. 
want you to understand that one of this present truth about God's deliverance is that God's deliverance is always superior in power. God's deliverance is always superior in power. Can't nobody match it. It is supreme. It is autonomous. In other words, he's able to deliver with superior power. Now, why is that so important? You know, because sometimes we can all become disillusioned when we have prayed, when we have fasted, when we have worked and served, and I've been to every uh, uh, discipleship group. Uh, that's, here's MacAv. I've made all the fellowship groups. I've made all the personal appointments. I've read the Bible. I've memorized the scripture, and God still didn't come through for me yet. And we become disillusioned. There's a guy who's on the bestseller of New York Times list today who um, grew up in a very traditional Christian home, attended Moody Bible Institute for his bachelor's, got his master's at Wheaton College, a very prominent Christian uh, college, then went on to get his PhD at a very leading uh, seminary. It was while he was exposed to his doctoral studies that he basically turned away from God and became disillusioned about Bible, about the Bible, about God's Word. And now he's written several books on New York Times bestseller. Both Urban is his name. And he's constantly, he challenges students every semester when they come to his class, indeed, that what you see here is just a bunch of fairy tales. It is said that of Ted Turner, who's the, the mogul of CNN, who's now an atheist, avowed early on in his life, though he wasn't always that way. He grew up indeed in a home that really believed in God and went to church. And when his sister, about nine-year-old, came down with cancer, contracted it, and he said, we prayed and prayed and asked God, and God didn't deliver. And so he assumed there is no God. And so this, what this text, what this whole story reminds us, though, is that, yes, God's deliverance is always superior in power, but it's according to his timetable. It's according to his timetable. And so we see that, number one, I say, it is superior when it comes to his promises. God had promised, indeed, we can back up to that next slide there. I'm sorry, back to yesterday. Thank you. Stay right there. The promise there. God had promised him. In the Hebrew, the word that was said, the Lord said to Moses, it literally means the Lord had said to Moses. You remember prior to this, the ninth plague was the plague of darkness. And God indeed had said on several occasions indeed that he was going to deliver his people, that he was going to bring them out of bondage. And so he says indeed on this day, he reminds us again <coughs> that there was one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh, and he's going to let you go. Now, you think about this. There were Hebrews, because they were in this, um, in Egypt for 430 years. Almost half of those years, they were under oppression, under slavery. So that means there were 
men and women, children who never saw the deliverance. They died under oppression. Even when Moses, when you looked at this earlier uh, in your study of Exodus, when he first came back after uh, been away for 40 years, now he's 80 years old and God calls him, you know, to be the one he's going to use to uh, challenge Pharaoh. And one of his first occasions when he goes in and he talks to Pharaoh and things doesn't work out at all. Matter of fact, remember when Pharaoh says, you know, uh, Says, y'all got enough time to be listening to this guy named Moses. Instead of we providing you the straw, you're going to have to provide the straw now to make your bricks. And it said that the leaders went to Moses and says, man, what's up? You would have made life odious. Well, we stink now. They were disillusioned. And so sometimes that's what happens. We become disillusioned because God doesn't work on our timetable, on our schedule. But I'm here to tell you, every promise that God makes will always come to pass. Peter says, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some think, but he desires that all men should come to repentance and not perish. You see, God has some other things that are working besides just my situation here. And just because in my mind, I can't always think or it becomes to make sense as to why my deliverance has come or why things happen. It doesn't mean that God is not in control, beloved. A week ago last Friday... I get an email from my human resources director nationally for crew inner city. And he says, uh, please pray for our dear brother, Cody Montgomery. Because last Friday he received a phone call from his mother that uh, his grandmother who lives in um, Eaton Rapids, Michigan, passed away with a heart attack in her home. And that uh, and his dad, who lives just a, f- uh, a few miles away in another town called Charlotte, Michigan, when he got the call that his mom had had a heart attack, and, and, uh, and so he rushed out of the house, jumped into his car, and was speeding down the highway, lost control, ran into a tree, and killed him instantly. And so, in one day he hears about his blessed grandmother and his dad, who was his strong, as such a strong relationship, that was 54 years old, passed away. And here's Cody, a brand new missionary for Christ, working in the inner city in Los Angeles. Where's God? Where's the deliverance? You see why some people can become disillusioned? But remember this. Just because we cannot always rationalize or understand where the goodness of God is does not cancel out that God is good. Mm -hmm. 
And we see this as promises carried out, indeed, in this last plague. You know, I think about, you know, the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, uh, it's great that we know when, when, when we do see answer prayer, when God heals us or when God provides that job or when God brings that husband, that wife or that son, that daughter back to him. But I love the right of Hebrews in chapter 11 when he says, you know, uh, talking about the great, great hallway of faith. And there's a point, though, in the chapter where he says others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sewn into. <clears throat> they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, (coughs) did not receive what was promised. In other words, yes, we got all those folk who who were in the hall of faith that we think about, you know, the Daniels and the Moses and the Abraham and the Samsons. And then, guys, there are others who didn't experience, quote, the grand deliverance. But God says, you know what? They're MVPs as well. You know, I was watching the movie, uh, We Are Marshall. I love football, and I love that. That was a movie about a team that back in the 70s, uh, the whole team basically was killed in a plane crash. Coaches, assistants, and 98% of the team, there was two players, I think, who, for reasons reason, didn't get a chance to make that trip away. And they stayed. And so they make this movie called We Are Marshall. And it's interesting that um, the president of the, of the school, who basically had to go through a lot of toil and agony to try and get the team or the football team program started back up, because pretty much... The whole town there was centered around the university and football, and nobody really, didn't, a lot of people didn't want to start. They said, it just, you know, it's too grievous. But he felt like you know, he needed to get the program up and running, so he had to go to the NCAA and ask for special permission to play freshman at that time and, and getting support, finding coaches, and it was just a tremendous emotional strain upon him. But it worked. He finally got everything together, and right before the first game, he was fired. And it's interesting, though, he went to the first game there, and with all these freshmen, they played, I think, University of Xavier, and they won. And the head coach takes the football, and he runs up to him there in the stands, and he says, here. And he goes, why are you giving me this? He says, I'm not, you know, I don't play. He says, it's always the tradition that at the first win, the most valuable player gets the football. (laughs) I believe indeed that those who, quote, don't experience the deliverance in this life, God says, you're my MVP. (laughs) Because you kept the faith in spite of the deliverance. And so when it comes to the promises of God, understand indeed that, yes, his power is supreme, but it's at his timetable. And so yet, uh, so, so the next, uh, next slide, next, next scripture is there. 
And so the Lord says that the, and the Lord gave people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of the people. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. The second way we see God's power illustrated in keeping his promises, whether we are alive or not, he always keeps his promises. It's what I call God's power shown in his pool, in his ability to bring about respect for his people. Now, it's interesting <coughs> that most slaves do not have a very high uh, point on the status pole in most countries and in most cultures. But yet, God's power is able to sway and to change things. God says exalt, exaltation does not come from the east or the west. It comes from him. As a result of this last plague, God had worked so much in the life of the Egyptians. It says that now they had given them favor, the Hebrews, and especially Moses was highly esteemed. Matter of fact, God says, after this plague, Moses, they're going to come down and bow down to you and beg you to get up out of here. You know, sometimes, you know, we work about, we're thinking about, uh, uh, significance and wanting people to respect us or even when you're trying to get people to join us. I remember, you know, for years in, in crew, my wife would tell you, no, we did everything we could to try and persuade people to move to Detroit to join our team. And I went through everything they said you're supposed to do, Leon. You know, we wrote up all these beautiful descriptions and, and we jumped through all the hoops and we just could not get anybody to come a no after no after no after no or when they would come on our short-term mission they would go and join another city and so this year I finally said you know what I'm tired of jumping through hoops so here's what we're gonna do every day we come into this office we're gonna pray that's all we're gonna do we're just going to cry out to the Lord because I'm tired of trying to persuade people because I can't persuade them. You know an interesting thing? I get a phone call. A guy named Jake and Katie Baker on their way back from 10 years serving the Lord in, uh, in Eastern Europe. Oh, I'm sorry, in Turkey. And say, you know, the Lord just been laying on my heart Detroit. And uh, I want to know, is there a possibility, is there a role or room for us on your team? I get another phone call from a young lady here locally. She says, you know, I worked for um, the Pony Rescue Mission for a, year, for a couple of years, but now I've left, I'm back in Detroit, and God has kind of moved my heart back to Detroit. And my sister's involved with crew at Wayne State, and she says that, did you know crew has an inner city ministry? And so she calls and she says, you know, would you have room for another person okay to work with you? And so we started getting inquiries from people because God's power is supreme when it comes to his ability to pull people. He draws as we seek him. But also if we see God's power 
is supreme when it comes to punishment. Next slide. So Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. I, want to, I just want to say this because of time. Uh, when it comes to punishment, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay him. We as followers of Christ are not in the business of trying to punish anybody. Our commitment is to love, to forgive, to show compassion, to care for. But when God gets ready to punish, he knows how to whip some behind. God says, you know, um, this last plague... I'm going to start from the, uh, what, what, what would have been their White House, Pharaoh, all the way down to the outhouse. I'm going to cover everybody. And he says, and the cry is going to be so great, you will have never heard anything like this ever before. God knows how to punish him in his time. But we got to be careful because sometimes, you know, we feel like we want to help God out. Let me be your vehicle of vengeance. <laughs> God says, no, no. Uh, you don't know how to do it. It won't be complete. But God says, let me love. I mean, you love. You continue to forgive. I'll take care of the punishment in my time. Uh, and then the last one here is just simply, God knows how to protect. God knows how to protection. Uh, verse the next slide there. But God says, you know, when I do this, this plague that comes upon you, it says, uh, I'm going to make a distinction. And this distinction is going to be so great. Even though over uh, um, in, the, in uh, well, in this case, it would be in this, down in the city with the Egyptians, that can be such an outcry. But out of this little old suburb called Goshen, you won't even hear a dog bark. <laughs> against any of the people of Israel so that what you may know that God knows how to make a distinction between Egypt and Israel (coughs) and that is so true today I love the fact that MacAv is so committed to this principle of, of discipleship is membership and that uh, to do life and community together is required that you live here in the community. And, you know, we just had a group uh, come here from South Carolina for our urban immersion. And every time, it, it, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, when I asked students, okay, what did your parents, particularly my, I call my light-skinned brothers and sisters, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, our Caucasians, huh? What did your parents think when you said you're coming to Detroit, Michigan for urban immersion? And yeah, I know. They just said, oh, make sure your life insurance is all paid up. <laughs> you're going to the armpit of the nation, okay? All kind of crazy things, all right? 
And yet, you know, once they have this experience, they go back, you know, the good news about Detroit is that the bad news is all wrong. God knows how to make a distinction with his people. Now, that doesn't mean that, do we ever have, I mean, I've had my car stolen at least twice. We have, we have two cars stolen right out of our driveway. But at the same time, as I think about all the other things that occur in our neighborhood, we live on the west side. God has protected us. God's protecting you and you and you and you because you know what? He knows how to make a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. That's his power. That's his keeping power. And if he allows something to happen to you, it's for always for his glory and a greater good. But understand that God's deliverance is always superior and supreme when it comes to his promises when it comes to his ability to pull, when it comes to punishment, as well as his protection. That in itself is a message right there. But can I just share two quick points for you before I sit down? Is that okay? All right. Uh, I said, you know, this, this present truth about God's deliverance, talking about God's deliverance, he's able. Uh, The second thing about God's deliverance I saw in this huge text is that God's deliverance is not only supreme when it comes to his power, but it's always sufficient to save those who trust him. God's grace is always sufficient when it comes to able to to save those who trust him. Uh, In Exodus chapter 12, dealing with the first Passover, uh, that next slide there, Exodus 12, 1 and 2. It says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. One of the things that I really love about the grace of God is that it always brings new things, newness, a newness there uh, to a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. It's new things. There's a sense of excitement. There's a sense of an adventure there when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Last night, we celebrated our middle uh, grandchild's birthday. We went to the zap zone. That's the first time I think I've been to that one out of this out in Farmington. You know, they got, you know, can you imagine inside they got bumper cars, they got uh, go-cars, they got a little mini bowling alley, all kind of games and little rooms there for you to eat in. So it's just a lot of people there. But here's the thing, you know, when we got a chance to get him settled down and he could... uh, blew out his birthday cake, and we start reading these uh, cards, and then the presents. And he started opening them up. And of course, you know, they're all new. As a sense of a man, he is just geeked. Because <laughs> all these new toys now that he has. But God says, indeed, his grace brings a sense of newness. It may be newness in terms of the gifts, 
that he gives us of the spirit. It may come as a relationships that he has, new situations, but there's a newness that he always brings. He never gets old. <clears throat> so here with, uh, with Israel, there was a new beginning here. This what he said. This is going to be your new year, beginning with this month that you celebrate Passover. It started a newness, out with the old, slavery, in with the new of serving a holy and living and righteous and loving God. God's grace is sufficient. And of course, as we see indeed the blood of the lamb, next slide. Verse 12 there, he says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, for I am the Lord. God's grace is definitely sufficient when it comes to being able to deliver us from the penalty as well as the power of sin, and one day we know it delivers us from their very presence. You know, the name Passover comes from a Hebrew word, uh, to the Hebrew word called Passah, which means to pass over. And the idea, of course, indeed, that when they would slay that lamb, one year old, perfect or without blemish, they would uh, take the blood that would pour it in the basin and they would come to their door post and they would take the, the branch of hyssop and they would sprinkle it on both sides of the door and on the top there. And so when that last plague took place at midnight, it says the death angel indeed would come over and he would see the blood on the doorpost and pass over it. That was their salvation. But even today, as believers, it is the what? The blood of Jesus Christ. That is our salvation as well. That God, we just got to say, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the blood of the perfect Lamb of God has purchased our salvation. And so that grace indeed that we stand, that we are sufficient in, but beloved, we cannot forget it because even though we know that by grace we have been saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes we forget about that and we think that we are sanctified by our own good works. We become like the church in Galatia that Paul says, you start in the spirit. Why are you trying to do your own thing now? And we start trusting in our own works. But the, but the grace of, so we need the grace of God. I need the gospel every day in my life, not just to become to be saved, but I need the gospel of grace to remind me indeed of how needy I am, but also how big a God is provision that he has for me. And then finally, he talked about the, the unleavened bread. Uh, what, was, what, what was that about, the unleavened bread? Well, leaven or yeast represents symbolically sin, evil. 
And so for that, those seven days, God says, get it out your house. Get away from it. No leaven should be found that you're going to eat the unleavened bread during this, uh, this time. And likewise, you know, salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It costs the precious blood of the Lamb. And so likewise, as followers of Christ, God is committed to seeing us walk holy. Not perfect, but we are to walk holy, live a life that is separated unto him, a life that is pure, a life that desires righteousness, a life that desires holiness. <coughs> and in this culture, you will be attacked for wanting to stand up for righteousness and holiness sake. But again, God's grace is always sufficient to help you, even in that situation, that whatever you find yourself in. Uh, oh, boy, this is so good. But uh, I'm trying to be, be brief. Baby, be brief. That's how you're supposed to preach. Okay. Um, <clears throat> number three, last one. I said one. First of all, you know, we're talking about God's deliverance here, this present truth from a past time, God's deliverance. It is... Always supreme when it comes to his power, right? His power is seen in, in the promises and his pull and his punishment and protection. God's deliverance is also sufficient, okay, to save all those who trust in him. Evidence primarily indeed we see by the Passover. But also, finally, God's deliverance is always significant enough. To be remembered that when God delivers you, it is to be remembered, to be commemorated. Exodus, <clears throat> that last slide, well, that second to last slide says this. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You should say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt. When he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses, and the people bowed down and worshiped. We get ready to celebrate communion here in just a few moments. That communion is a reminder of God's deliverance that took place over 2,000 years ago on a cross called Hill called Calvary. And we gather indeed together every Sunday as a testimony to that worship. And we say, and they say, and teach your children. I love what's going on now with the children. That primary education should come from the parent to the child. The other is supplemental, but primarily the teaching comes here. And so what I like about it, now when, once we understand you know, about God's deliverance, we're just like that, uh, remember Dr. Zeus? That book, uh, the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. Remember that? Did you ever, you ever see that? You remember that situation where, you know, uh, the people of Whoville live there, and, 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 uh, and the Grinch, that night before Christmas, came down, and he took all their toys, all their presents. I mean, he even took, uh, you know, the, the what? Um, they, yeah, thank you, yes. He even took the Christmas tree. <laughs> 
and he, and he did all that work, and then, you know, he waited. He thought, I got him now. I got him now. They have no presents. They have no food. They have no pudding. They have no Christmas tree. And it says that following morning, remember what? He heard a sound. It was a sound of rejoicing. And they were still up on Christmas morning, gathered together, singing. You know, Macav, even if you didn't get your deliverance yet, whether it be your health, it may be a job, it may be a relationship with family, every Sunday morning you come here and we gather and we hold hands, not for a Christmas tree, but for a wooden cross that our Savior lived and died. That is a powerful testimony of how we commemorate the significance of our salvation. So don't take that lightly of how important it is to gather here on Sunday morning to worship in spite of our difficulties. What's the application? This is the last slide. I love verse 28. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. (laughs) I love that. Again, the writer of Hebrews says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith is illustrated by our obedience. They still had to go slay the lamb, take their blood, put it on their doorpost, roast the lamb, get together at twilight, eat it along with the bitter herbs and unleavened bread, and then trust indeed in the word of God. You know, it's not enough just simply to know these things, but Jesus says, how blessed are you do if you do them. So wherever you are in your struggles of obedience, let me encourage you. Do not grow weary in doing good, for you shall reap if you faint not. So wherever you are, we all struggling in some place, as somewhere in terms of being obedient. What has God been on you about? That you got to submit and yield, whether you need accountability, whether you need more understanding from the word, do it. Because they did. They experienced a great deliverance, both individually and corporately. There was a man one day whose wife was very ill. It was in the frontier days, and he had to get a place that had medicine in order to, get his, uh, to save his, his wife's life. The only problem, though, that it was wintertime. In order to get to this place where the medicine was, he had to cross the lake. But the lake had frozen over. It was all ice. 
And so he was really concerned, though, about trying to get across the lake because he didn't know whether the ice could hold him up. And yet he knew if he didn't do anything, his wife was surely going to die. And so what he did, he began to, went to the lake and he got down on his knees, his hands, and he was just kind of moving inch by inch, really slowly, because he didn't want to fall in. The same time, he knew he had to get this medicine for his wife. And then all of a sudden, he heard a noise, like the ice was cracking. And it got louder and louder. And his heart really started racing and beating. And then as he heard the noise, it got so loud, he looked behind. And what it was, there was a... a, a, a wagon being driven by a team of horses with another uh, big wagon right behind it loaded with all kind of provisions and it was steaming across the ice. And as he saw that, he said to himself, wait a minute, if the ice can hold up a wagon pulled by a team of horses, with another wagon right beside it, behind it, loaded with all kind of goods, surely it can hold up me. And so he got up, he started walking, and then he started running, and he made it across. <clears throat> if you're in doubt about God's deliverance, stay here with Mac Because I know there's some brothers and sisters who are on a wagon driven by a team of horses, by Almighty God, with a lot of provisions that'll give you the confidence that you need to experience God's deliverance for his glory and for your good. Let's pray. Father, thank you indeed for your word. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you that it is supreme in power. It is sufficient in its grace. And it's definitely significant enough to be remembered and commemorated. And so, Lord, now I pray that you would encourage us all that no matter what, we will stay faithful and obedient to your word and pray for this community to one another so that whether you choose to bring it about next month, next year, or it may not ever happen in their lifetime, God, we're all MVPs. If we walk by faith and not by sight, in Jesus' name, amen.